Happy New Year, and welcome back to our Camel Call podcast. My name is Chris Haymeyer, and every week we bring you exclusive content, live shows, everything you need to know to stay in the know with Campbell Athletics. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, thank you. If you are new, welcome. You can find this podcast on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean. We would be so thankful if you subscribed, followed, liked. You can also find the Camel Call podcast every week on GoCamels.com and the Varsity Network app. So how was your holiday break? An eventful time for Campbell Athletics in a time when traditionally you usually have about a week with no games, no news, not this time. On December 18th, head football coach Mike Minter resigned after 11 seasons here at Campbell. Just 15 days later, former Campbell associate head coach, linebackers coach, recruiting coordinator Braxton Harris was hired as Campbell's new head man. Harris was here in 21 and 22, and last year he was the head coach at Houston Christian. We've got a lot to talk about. Later in the show, Evan Budrovich, Jason Williams, and I will talk about what Coach Minter accomplished here and his impact on Campbell football. We will go in-depth on why we are all so excited about Coach Harris and why he is the right man for this job. And we get you set for the first weekend of CAA play for our men's and women's basketball team. But first, let's hear from the man himself as I cut up with Coach Harris over Zoom a day after he was named head coach of Campbell football. Coach, first and foremost, congratulations. Uh, how excited are you and the family to, to, to be coming back to Bowie's Creek? Oh, Chris, thanks so much. Uh, we are, we're ecstatic. Um, we, our family jumped at the opportunity when it became an opportunity. Um, everybody within the family, and there's six of us total. So it, it, when everybody's excited about a move um, or everybody's excited about one decision in our family, that's exciting. And so um, to be able to come back to friends um, there that we have relationships with and have kept those relationships since we've left, um, to know the people. Um, that's what, if you know the people, you know Bowie's Creek. If you know the people, uh, if you know Bowie's Creek, you know Campbell. And uh, that's what we're most excited about is the people. Coach, tell us about your family in detail. You nearly have an entire uh, offensive line there uh, under one roof. Yeah, we got the numbers for it. Um, Unfortunately, we don't have the genetics to be able to create an offensive line for sure. Uh, They're limiting some of those pieces, and that that comes from my fault in that spot. Um, My wife, Jennifer, um, we've been married. We'll be 14 years this coming March. Uh, Help me remember that, Chris, when I get there so I don't get in trouble. Um, in this time, but we'll be married 14 years in March. We went to college together, uh, met in college. Um, and uh, man, she is my rock. She, she is, she is the, the glue that holds our family together and she's awesome. And, uh, that was another piece that she was so excited because she has friends and relationships there, um, in the Harnett County, uh, area. And so we were, she was excited to be able to, to have to continue those relationships. And then our oldest son, Brooks is 11. Um, and he, man, he's excited about being a camel. Um, he loved it there as well. And then we have twin boys, as you do. Um, we have Fisher and Cooper that are both eight years old, and they're into everything. And then we've got the queen bee, um, two, uh, two-year-old, Kate. Uh, her name is Catherine uh, Joanna, and uh, we call her Kate. And she is actually she was actually born while we were there um, at Campbell. And so the rest of us are, are Texans coming to North Carolina, and she's going back home because she's a, a Tar Heel is what they say, right? Um, and so she's excited about that opportunity. We're excited to be able to get back. And so family's everything for us, Chris. And, you know, to be able to get back our family into a community um, that the lifestyle fits our lifestyle as a family, we're, we're ecstatic about that opportunity. 
Coach, that's my next question. You were you were only here for about two years, but not only you, but your wife and your family really grabbed a hold of this place and, and became a part of the community. You were big in your church. You were big in, uh, in Bowie's Creek Elementary School. What sucked you guys in? Because again, you guys are from Texas. You moved halfway across the country. And, and how, did you, how did you become such a part of this place? Yeah, that, isn't that exactly right? I told Jennifer the other day, I said, how in the world are we leaving Texas and going to North Carolina? And it feels like we're going home um, in those places. Um, but, you know, you just hit the nail on the head for us. I mean, we're, we're pretty simple people, Chris. Um, we had a great church there, Crossroads there in Lillington, that really loved on our family. Um, I might add that the pastor there was from Texas, so I don't know if that had anything to do with it. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, but, you know, Ken Dalton was from Texas, and we just we got involved in our church, and then we got involved in the elementary school, and, and Jennifer and the kids. Um, they do such a great job of being where your feet are, you know, and, and we feel like the opportunities that God's given us is to invest in the people um, that he's put us around. And, and to, for us, it's all about the people. And this is not a, this is not a job. Um, this is a lifestyle for our family. And uh, we, we were great. I mean, we had great support there in the community. We play our kids, played little league baseball in the community, um, went to church in the community, went, all those pieces. And, and those are the things that most excite us in that spot. And um, to be honest with you, you say what made it happen, you know, Chris, I believe it was a God thing. Um, I think God was setting this up for us to be able to come back down, down the road in that spot where leaving Texas was still feels like a, a homecoming for us in that spot. So it's really neat to see how God worked years in advance um, to be able to, to plan something like this. Coach, now that you are, are coming back here, it gives us a chance to, to talk about, uh, about your story because you just didn't, uh, you, you just didn't come out of, uh, of Texas and start coaching the division one football. Take me back to your playing days, of course, in the, in the best place in the nation uh, to come up in football in Texas. Tell me about, uh, about your quarterback and days and then how all that led into coaching and, and, and led you to here. Well, uh, you're setting me up now. You're starting to get me Texas versus North Carolina. I already see you're kind of pitting me against each other and both of them in those pieces. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to divert a little bit on this. Uh, you know, I was very fortunate. My dad was a high school football coach here in Texas, and he was my head coach. And so um, to get the opportunity to play for my dad in high school, man, that was the best thing in the world. Um, we both loved football to be able to go to work with him every day. I grew up on the sidelines in Texas. I was the water boy. I was the ball boy. Um, I helped him mark fields. I did all those pieces growing up in those in those spots. And so I got an opportunity to play Texas high school football. I loved it. We were a small town. Um, everything revolved around, you know, football in that spot. And we loved our time there in Mejia. Um, and we still have some of my very dear friends are still – we went to school together in that spot. Got a chance to go to the University of Mary Hardin Baylor, Division three school. Um, had all these hopes and aspirations of you're going to be this Division one player. Um, and that wasn't God's plan for my life. And so we're able to go to the University of Mary Hardin Baylor. And uh, be honest with you, every, every student athlete comes in and thinks, well, I'm going to be the guy. Um, and just like most, I felt the same piece. Um, that wasn't the case. And, and I've always told my story because I think it's a true, it's a great story to see how God's moved in those places. I mean, Chris, I was a backup. Uh, the, the most impact I made on the field is when I stopped playing and started coaching there. Uh, coach Fredenberg was our head football coach. Uh, he's in the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, we won a lot of football games. Um, and then he gave me the opportunity to start coaching football there. Um, and in our time, I think we won seven conference championships uh, that we were there. And that's about, and I thought winning was just part of it, Chris. Um, and so that was kind of the background that I came came up in as a player. Um, then got the opportunity to start coaching. 
uh, coached the receivers right out the gate. And so I was an offensive guy. Um, coaching receivers, I can remember sitting down and writing uh, uh, every route on every play on my script before I went out on the field because I didn't want to be the guy that didn't have an answer in that spot, right, Chris? And uh, so we were able to do those things. We to be fortunate. Got an opportunity at Texas Lutheran University, a Division three school just like Mary Hart and Baylor, um, and got to be a chance to, to climb the ladder pretty quickly there by the time we left was the, calling the defense there. But, you know, Chris, that was a place you had to mark the lines. You had to do the wash. Uh, you had to do all the academic pieces, and I really learned what it looked like in those places. Um, and those are great experiences for me. Got an opportunity at 31 to be a head football coach at Howard Payne University, a Division three school in Texas. Um, it really kind of got uh, my feet wet in those spots. Uh, looking back on those pieces, there's a lot of things that I was working really hard to be able to try to prove. Um, and in turn, you know, you just got to be yourself in those spots. Um, but got that program to be able to have the most wins in, in a 12-year span uh, by the time we left that program and then we went to Campbell in that spot and then able to to do what we did there and then be able to get the opportunity to be a division one head coach back in our home state um, here at HCU was a, a dream dream come true for us. Coach, one of the many great things you did here at Campbell, you were the the architect of back-to-back number one FCS recruiting classes for a, for a Campbell team that I think barely broke the FCS 100 uh, previously. You did that again at that Houston Christian got a number one FCS recruiting class. Well, first off, it's not it's not anywhere close to just me um, by any point. We've got great people. We had great people there at Campbell that uh, thankful to Coach Minner that he allowed me to be able to take a vision and run with it in that spot. He gave me that. He afforded me that opportunity. We had coaches on that staff that believed in those things and made those things happen. Uh, coming here to HCU, we have a great staff of coaches that recruit kids the right way that that are able to build relationships. Recruiting is relationships at the end of the day. That's what it's all about, and that's why. Um, the only thing I think you see in a in a ranking system, if you will, Chris, is that uh, we're not afraid to go after the best. Um, we, we think that we have something to offer them, and our program has something to offer them that they can't get anywhere else in that spot. And and that's what we're excited about doing in, in those pieces. We're looking for the right fits. Um, to be honest with you, it just kind of worked out that we've had the recruiting classes the way they are ranked-wise. Um, we're looking, coming into Campbell, we are looking for the kids that fit Campbell University um, and that believe in the university. They believe that football is an extension um, of the educational process, and they're excited to be Campbells in that spot. And that's what we're looking for in the recruiting piece. Coach, finally here, um, fans that are thinking about, okay, what will this team look like both on and off the field um, once the once the fall hits? What's your vision for it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, Campbell football um, has got to be two things. We've got to start fast as a football team, and then we've got to finish stronger. Um, we're going to have great confidence that we it, once that clock hits the fourth quarter, uh, we want that that momentum. We want that confidence that we can go finish. Um, we're going to stay in the fight. Uh, we're going to be able to do those things. When people come watch us, they're going to see a team that plays hard. They're going to see a team that plays together um, and the team that has prepared for the opportunity that they have on Saturday. Um, we wanted this to be a team that people can come watch and be proud of, uh, proud to have that camel on their chest, uh, proud of the way that those guys on the field represent them. Um, but more importantly than just the field, Chris, is that we've got to make sure that people are proud um, of our football players on and off the field in this place. Um, we want them to see them in the community. We want to see them in the grocery store. And we want them to see them how they handle them. They handle their business and they handle their relationships. Um, that it's something that we can all be proud of. Uh, Harnett County is a small community. Um, and we, we know who's who in those places, right? And uh, we want people to be proud of the young men um, that we have. 
um, on and off the football field. Um, if we take care of those things, Chris, the results on the football field, that'll be a byproduct of who we're working to be able to become. Well, Coach, thank you so much. We are so excited to, to welcome you and your family back, and I can't wait to see all of you next week. Yes, sir. Can't wait to see you guys. Roll humps. Welcome back to Camel Call Friday. This is going to be a lot of fun today, of course, joining us as always, Evan Budrovich. And we have joining us as well to give us a football perspective as well, because this table has seen pretty much every Campbell football game over the last decade. He is Jason Williams, the Associate Athletics Director of Communications and Branding. Uh, running the communications department, but he has been here for 17 years and he has been the um, the football media contact for over a decade as well. So Jason, thanks for coming here. You, much like Evan, came here as an intern just out of college and never left. I say all the time, it surprises me. I always have to pull up your bio because I count it up in my head. There's no way you've been here 17 years. You are not an old man by any means, but you have been here 17 years because you were here straight out of college. Yeah, believe it or not. Yeah, uh, Stan Cole gave me the opportunity back in 2007 uh, to, to come up I-40, and, uh, and then uh, I've been here ever since. Yeah. Fell in love with the place. Just like Evan, who came here from L.A. as an intern and uh, right up never by left. 95 for me. <laughs> yeah, it took I-10 all the way to 95 the way, and boom. All the way I-40, the 7,500 miles to go there. All right, let, let, let's talk about this is good. And I wanted to get everybody's perspective because not just me singing the praises of, of Braxton Harris. Uh, number one. One of the things for us and what we do in broadcasting, in media, is the fact when you have someone that you have worked closely with, you don't have to gather their trust. You don't have to prove to them what you can do for him and his program. Braxton loves what we do from a media and broadcast size, and he is also a head coach that has been very savvy and on the forefront of understanding what social media does for a program, understanding what broadcasting does for a program. Well, let's give you a story for some context. It's the spring of 2021. The three of us go over to the football office for a meeting, and Mike Minner tells his staff, I want to have the number one recruiting class in the country, Yeah, and basically walks out of the room. Now, there was more to it, but Braxton was in charge of that mission. Yeah, as the recruiting coordinator. Recruiting, and then also he had social media weekly meetings with us, and we would sit down and go, okay, what's your content calendar? How do you want to brand your program? What are your pillars? And with his experience at the D3 program, he knew how to run a program and basically walked us through Mike's vision for the team. And that's when I knew in that meeting, like, oh, this guy's going to be a head coach very soon. Yeah. And I think that impressed all of us just walking out of that meeting back in 21. Yeah, I, I know one one thing that kept coming up for for all of us, uh, kind of first impressions after after meeting Braxton was, man, this guy gets it. And, uh, you know, and, and you mentioned his social media savvy. Um, go give him a follow on Twitter at coach underscore B Harris. Uh, he's a great follow. Um, uh, tons of football insight. Uh, he, he loves, he loves this program and, uh, yeah, you're going to see, you're going to see him retweeted a whole lot, uh, on, on our account. Um, so yeah, we're so excited to have him. He's, he's a, a football is in his blood. His dad was a coach. 
in, in Texas. Uh, you know, they, they love football in Texas, uh, as Dr. Creed will, will uh, remind us, fellow Texan. Um, and, uh, you know, him and his, his wife, Jennifer, and their four kids are so excited to get back. Yeah, and one of the other things that you notice for him, and he was just here for two years, but it was such an impactful impactful two years after COVID again, being the architect for those back-to-back number one FCS recruiting classes. It's hard to remember this, and maybe you forget it, but Campbell wasn't even in the top 100 in FCS recruiting classes. So to go from basically zero to 60, to go all the way to the top, he came in, as you mentioned, you said, you know, you knew this guy was going to be a head coach someday talking to Braxton Harris. Well, one of the things was he was a head coach at the D3 level, and you could tell just the level of organization, the level of objectives and visions, what he brought to that program was a fact. He organized everybody, and he, he will be the first to tell you, and he did in that interview, that he had a lot of help doing it. But he was the one that literally had the playbook for those two recruiting classes, and, and that is why he had had so much success. He was pulled up. He turned around a, a Houston Baptist, now Houston Christian program, got them 6-5 and five in just his first year as an FCS head coach. So he has FCS head coach credentials as well and then comes in here seamlessly. He had always mentioned in our meetings embracing what Bowie's Creek is and not trying to hide it in the recruiting aspect. And that's a challenge for certain sports, right, because of location and proximity and certain things. But he sold Bowie's Creek for what it was yeah. and convinced kids to come here for development, for hands-on help from the coaches, and to be part of a small community. And he's built that. He's at every baseball game. Him and Justin Hare are buddies. Like, he'll be at every game. He went to the Knoxville Regional two years ago. He loves Campbell. Well, and he has seen one of the many things about how he is uh, quickly, him and his family got involved in this community, friends with other coaches. He really connects with the Hares. They all have a bunch of kids. They all have a bunch of kids around, around the same age. He connected with them, and he saw Justin Hare, what he did in the community, what he did on campus, and how he is a beloved coach here, and that's a playbook for him and something he's done in the community, in church. He really loves this place and, and like you said, embraces it for, for what it is. And Jason can pick up on this, too. After games, whether it's home, road, Braxton would go meet fans in the stands. He would interact with them. He's already replying to Campbell Facebook comments, like saying, can't wait to see you at the game. Who does that? You know, as a head coach, you're one day into the job, and on the Campbell University Facebook page, he's replying to people and saying, can't wait to see you at the game, look forward to meeting you. Like, that's that's part of the job, and he's really good at that part of the job. I can't tell you how many many texts and and comments I've received over the last week. Uh, Just so excited about to have them back. Uh, you're going to see him at games, like you said. You're going to see him at, at church. And, uh, and you know, he just really connected with so many people, him and his family, while they were here in those two years. Uh, they genuinely fell in love with it. That, that's, that's not an act or anything like that. They, they love this place and, uh, and, and built some really meaningful relationships while they were here. And, uh, you know, even, the, you know, I was talking to him the other day on the phone, and, you know, he was talking about how much his kids were, were excited to get back and see their friends. And, uh, and that, that's so meaningful. Uh, you know, you know how that is, Chris. You've got, you've got two young boys. Um, and, uh, we have three fathers on this podcast, two of kids and one of a dog. Let's be very clear on this episode. <laughs> yeah, we've got four boys and, uh, and, and two, two dogs. I oh, yeah. Believe. Yeah. 
black labs. I mean, they're just as busy as kids, but they, you know, a little less maintenance. <laughs> yeah, let, let, let me tell you something. It's exactly, <laughs> it's exactly like kids. It's exactly like kids. That's gonna be enough for the Father's Day podcast. We'll bring Jason back on. We'll bring the hairs and Harris back on because they have a ton of kids. I don't know how they do it. That they each have four kids, but uh, but yeah. Okay, sorry, we derailed your point. <laughs> no, I. I you know, you bring up you bring up what he was able to do in in one year at Houston Christian. Uh, just just some numbers on that. I'm a I'm a numbers guy. Of course you from, are. From from what I do uh, for a living. Uh, but you know, it's a it's a young program down there. Uh, they're just a little bit younger than we are uh, as a program, but had never had a winning season prior to last year. Uh, it's really difficult to get there. And, and he got there in, in one year. Uh, they also had a winning record in the Southland. That had never been done there before. Uh, they'd only had two seasons with four or more wins in their history prior to, prior to last year. On top of that, they had an All-American linebacker uh, who's also the, uh, the Southland Defensive Player of the Year. They had two really productive running backs. Uh, one was a freshman, Jerry Rice Ward watch list. Uh, top 50 in rushing offense and rushing defense. Uh, and, and that's 51st in total offense, too. So, balanced attack, almost 2,000 yards rushing, uh, over 2,000 yards passing. And, you know, he took really what he had to work with there, brought in that number one class, and, uh, and, and, and made the best of it. They're also one of the least penalized teams in the country. So, you're talking about a disciplined football team. Yeah. Yeah, one of his big things is is accountability. Um, that is one of his one of his core core beliefs. Two more quick stories just to kind of let you in a little bit on on who Braxton Harris is. Mike Miller, our director of sponsorship and and ticketing, tell me a story that um, Coach Harris literally sold nineteen separate season tickets of the church community people in his neighborhood he got people to not only bring their families to the games but they all wanted to sit around the Harris family so he was really responsible for um for for almost 20 season tickets and then since he has been on the job there were as there is going to be every single year no matter what the situation there were a a handful of Campbell football players in the portal and most of these were before coach Minner um, resigned as head coach here and all but one um, has pulled their name out of the portal and said that they're going to stay here at Campbell because of Braxton not only getting in here getting on the phone and uh, and getting those guys to uh, to buy in and come back here and think of a name like C.J. Tillman who Braxton recruited I mean he was the linebacker coach and that was a big part of his duties was that position C.J.'s in the portal he has power five opportunities and he wants to play for coach Harris people at Campbell can relate to Harris. He loves Campbell. And more importantly, he speaks the language of this area. And I think that's what Hannah wanted. She wanted a head coach who loved this place, who had been with her before. She's hired a lot of people with relationships to her. And that's why this is a great hire. It all fits and it lines up with what Dr. Creed wants and what Hannah wants. And he values the academics, which I always bring up academics on this podcast. That's important. He values success. We've seen his winning. And then two, he wants to be part of the Bowie's Creek community. Yeah, and let's give a, a tip of the cap to uh, Jason Devine's boss, Hannah Baysmore, the athletic director here, um, with the help of Deputy Justin Wilkins. Remember, you know, Coach Minter resigned on December 18th. 
And in less than two weeks, the announcement was on the second. Braxton was was in here and hired uh, really, really before that. They had a great group of candidates. There were three, including Braxton, sitting FCS head coaches um, that were all interested in this job and, and were all finalists for this job. That tells you a bit about what people around the country think about the, this program, and they got the perfect person. And they did it in two weeks with, oh, by the way, Christmas and New oh, Year's Day and New Year's Eve like and got everything like that. contracts signed yeah. and approved and think logistically trying to get people to move boulders over Christmas. Yeah. yeah. That thing was done in, in the dark night. Now, there was no, like, white smoke for the Pope being elected. Our friend, but- our friend Jason Williams knows this, too, because his uh, his holiday break was upended uh, more than a bit by, by, by many things. So a lot of people, um, Jason, uh, especially working hand-in-hand, um, to, to to get this job. And that's another thing we have to think about because, look, you're already a little bit behind um, in the recruiting cycle because of the timing of this whole thing, but they got back on track, got people out of the portal, can shop in the portal still. And, um, boy, it's uh, it, it, it was quite, quite an accomplishment to get what we all think is really the perfect person at the perfect time for this position and to do it in two weeks over the holiday break. Let's not forget Houston Christian, number one FCS class, just a month ago, right? So it's not a one-hit wonder. Yeah. It's been here, it's been there, it's been everywhere, like Roy Kent. Three straight years. And Ted Lasso. Yeah. The guy knows how to recruit. No so doubt. give him two months till February. Think of all the high school kids he can find and grab in the next two months. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up Ted Lasso. The, you have to be – that. This is, this is you've been on this podcast before, but I think this is the first time with Evan, so I will tell you as we go on, you have to always be on your toes because Evan is going to uh, make a lot of great points and then accentuate some of those points with references you might not be expecting or know what to say. So the first <laughs> time that you'll see uh, – so Coach Harris, big Ted Lesser guy. He's got a believe sign. Oh, there we go. Does he that really? he has in his office. Really? And uh, it's coming with him, I'm told. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. This gives us a chance, too. And one of the many reasons we wanted uh, Jason on the podcast was the fact that this allows us to put a bowl, uh, bow on the uh, 11 seasons of Campbell head coach Mike Minter um, resigning, as we have talked about, and, and the many, many good things that he did. I've told this to him. Um, I've said this uh, publicly, privately, um, over the many years that he has been here w- with 11, 11 seasons. I think Coach Dale Steele, who was the, 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 the father of this program and the architect of this program and led them to a winning season in four years, still an incredible accomplishment. He was the absolute right person to build this program, non-scholarship football, from scratch here at Campbell. Mike Minter was the exact right person to put Campbell football on the map and get them on steady ground that led them all the way to the CAA. Mike Minner took over a 1-10 team. Uh, three wins his first season, five wins for the next three seasons. In 2017, he was 4-0 in the non-scholarship PFL conference and, and really made people believe that, hey, this is a program and this is a place because of what he was doing, what he was getting in, that it could be and should be scholarship football to the Big South and then to the CAA. Yeah, I mean, you really look at it, 11 seasons, three different conferences. Uh, that That's a lot to throw at you. Uh, really three different jobs there. Uh, as you mentioned, the PFL is non-scholarship. It's Division I, uh, but it's non-scholarship. And then 
2018, we go uh, to the Big South, uh, you know, kind of a late move in the year. Yeah. Uh, and so they, they scrambled and, and signed some scholarship guys there, ended up signing a pretty good class, which included, uh, which included Caleb Sneed, as you remember, a great receiver there uh, for us, uh, all-time leading receiver for us. And, uh, and, then, and then we moved to the CAA, which, as we know, that's one of the, the best FCS conferences in the country. Uh, so, so just continuing that just upward trajectory constantly throughout this program's uh, history. Um, as you mentioned, I mean, 2012 uh, was our fifth year, one in 10. Um, he comes in in 2013, inheriting what, by the metrics, say were, were the worst team in Division One. Yeah. Um, now that, that was a team that was decimated by graduation. His fifth year, of course. Uh, so I mean, it was something like 50 seniors that that graduated that year. Uh, so super, super young team, and uh, and in uh, Coach Steele's last year, and and then Coach Minter comes in the next year with uh, with three wins. And, um, you know, it, it's just gone up from there. This past season, four wins in the CAA. That might not sound like a lot. That does not happen yeah. in your first year in this league. Uh, it's only happened once ever that a team had won that many games in their first season. I mean, ask A&T. A&T went 0-8 yeah. this year Yep, in their first year. Um, and they're not the only ones, by the way, to, to go over in their first season uh, in the CAA. Uh, this team has produced multiple All-Americans. Uh, this past year, uh, Mike Edwards, left tackle, uh, NFL prospect, uh, was a uh, – he picked up his second All-American honor. He's our first two-time All-American. That's an incredible accomplishment. Um, and then NFL talent, Julian Hill. You'll see him every Sunday with the Dolphins. Yep. Making making plays, making blocks, catching some passes uh, here and there, um, and then you know Brevin Allen, also with the Chargers, he was the first camel to ever play in an NFL game. Uh, so just the and the list goes on. Um, six and five, three straight years. Yep. Um, you know that's our that's our program's high for for wins. Yeah. And for Mike with the NFL part because he had that pedigree as a player. He came in from day one and said, I'm producing NFL talent. Yep. And sometimes you sit there and go, is that actually possible? That was really bold. He take it over right. a non-scholarship program that was one in ten. And, you right. know, a decade ago he said it. Yep. Even in 2015 with Greg Milhouse, started to push that envelope a little bit, get to a practice squad, get to a preseason roster. As the years go on, more tryouts, more tryouts. Danny Dillon, a finalist with the Cardinals for a long time. And then to get a player on an active roster. That's a big deal yep. in Campbell football. And this fall – that's due to Mike Minner and his ability to develop players, build those relationships. He's always had scouts at practices and at the pro days and the fall camps. Like He's built a culture now where people come to Campbell looking for NFL talent. That wasn't the case 10 years ago. At times, you may forget because he had been here for a decade, but I'll continue with the fact that all of these things go into the fact that Mike Minner put Campbell football on the map. And the big reason for that, when he was hired, he was just a few years out of playing for the Carolina Panthers. In the first decade of, of this century, he was the everyday starter in the secondary for a decade. A team that, much like the team he took over, and that was something that he really, he really went upon and built upon because he was a part of a very bad Panthers team. 
that went on to go to the Super Bowl, the, the, those great teams um, that he was that he was a part of. And so he might not have been known from coast to coast, but man, if you followed Panthers football or even the NFC South, you knew who Mike Minter was. So that hire, which guys, it was so out of the box. Former athletic director Bob Roller. His first hire for his first big hire, and he hired a guy that did not have Division One head coaching experience or Division Three or Division Two. I mean, he, he he coached high school football, yeah, basically, and a couple years at Johnson C. Yeah. Smith and HBCU in Charlotte, yeah, yeah, and 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 he plucked oh, and one this, year at Liberty, and he plucked right. this guy, it plucked this guy out, and immediately the media was there. I mean, Jason knows pretty much every summer a station from the charlotte area would would come through and and visit camp just to catch up with mike minter because he not only was a guy that 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 played and you knew was a starter for a decade for the carolina panthers his nickname was media mike because he would be 15 seconds of of soundbite goal and he had such a great relationship with the media whether he won whether he lost he was great to the media and the media was great with him and thus great to campbell football yeah, Chris, you can attest to this. I know you told you've you've told me a story about a, a, a young TV reporter uh, back in the day going to cover a Panthers game, and uh, your boss at the time told you, "Yeah, no matter what happens, go to Mike Minter." Yeah, yeah, win or lose, go to Mike Minter. And uh, the Carolina Panthers got pounded by Brett Favre and the Green Bay Packers that night. And I went to Mike Minter. That's where me and Mike Minter met. Uh, back in uh, 2004, and he gave me a great quote and then looked at me really hard, and I walked away because I was very, very afraid. Yeah, and, and, and that's, how, that's how Mike was with everyone. Yeah. He was always so gracious with his time. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many, you know, how many random podcasts and, and, uh, and radio interviews. Big and or Zooms. small, Big he or did small, I set, I set him up yeah. with. Uh, he was always uh, trusting in me to uh, to set him up with the right ones, and and uh, never turned down a single interview no, I ever asked him to do. Always had a big uh, smile on his face. Absolutely, absolutely. Looked he, like he could bench, still bench press you even to his yeah, final days at yeah. Campbell. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But I, I can't tell you how many how many times uh, I, I got a message after after that podcast wrapped up or a call or something like that, uh, thanking thanking Mike for his time being being so open and honest yeah. and 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 just giving them anything that they possibly wanted. He was such a really really good interview and and we did both uh, Evan and I did the the coaches show it has been in a in a couple of different forms uh, usually taped uh, the Monday after the weekend we've had of course the live podcast for the for the past couple of years. It didn't matter if it was an amazing win or a devastating loss, and we had been on the end of some devastating, devastating losses. By the time he got to that show, he would give you honest interpretations of what happened, great interviews, and he never said, you know what, I don't want to do this today, no, no matter what happened. And he was so good. There was one time, I remember, in the eight years we taped that show, where we had to do another take because, because he fumbled. And again, he didn't want the questions beforehand. He didn't want to see the no, highlights. He didn't want to see the highlights beforehand. He said, I got this. I don't need any prep. And he gave you great, great stuff. You know, it wasn't just all coach speak was him with him. It was stuff that really mattered. And he was really, really 
interesting to listen to. It was so much so that for a couple of years, we did a live, we did the show live on Facebook because he was so good live. Um, we knew that it, it, it wouldn't, you, you wouldn't have to tape it if it was, if it was for him. And of course the live radio show, and, and that's the thing, media Mike was a big difference because then the media around here really loved him. And Campbell football probably got more coverage, I don't want to say, than it deserved, than you would think in this market with, with, with so many FBS teams because of the way Mike treated the media. And think about the investment when Ricky Ray comes to him during the COVID year, our former boss and former uh, associate athletic director, and says, I have four games for you on the schedule. They're all by games. You're not the favorite. You're going to play weird times on weird days. Will you do it? And Mike said, I will play anybody. Yeah. Let me keep my red shirt year, play four, but I will sign up for any game. And a want. lot of that was Mike talking to Ricky and saying, hey, you go out and get me these games. And and Ricky Ray, who is the former uh, associate AD here, now at William & Mary, give him a lot of credit for going out and get some very good games. And then give Mike credit for seeing what that could do to the program. And he credits that part and us being on national TV three different times and, and a lot of times being the only game on. We got on. ESPN one, if you will, uh, against Coastal there. He said that did a lot to Campbell was on the map, but now was on the map on a national scale. And that led to the back-to-back number one FCS recruiting classes, which again, elevated Campbell into a, oh gosh, they're not only a scholarship program, they're doing something down there in Bowie's Creek. Yeah. We had, we had never been on national TV before, before 2020. No. And you know, they, and, and that schedule fell apart like everyone else's did during during COVID. Uh, one game was left, and that's that Georgia Southern game, which is which was our opener that year. Uh, we go down there on ESPNU, national TV, for the first time, and, and we're a two-point conversion away from oh, winning that game. Just that Jalen Kelsey touchdown yeah. right at the end there. Ooh. Yeah, and it's just an, just an incredible game. Good comeback there for, uh, for the Camels uh, to, to almost knock off an FBS – uh, member there uh, and a program with incredible history and tradition uh, but you know then we go the 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 next week and and we're on we're at coastal carolina yeah. like you said on it's, ESPN. A, it's a standalone game yeah. on, on friday ESPN. night on espn <laughs> could you imagine that yeah back in 2008 i mean i couldn't Unbelievable. I also think of the hurricane game we played coastal here yeah. and mike approved with the coastal staff to play yeah what, a Wednesday at noon or 1 o'clock game that turned to be one of the primetime ESPN Plus games. There was nothing else on. Yep. Mike was up for anything. Like, he was willing to take risks and put this place in, in an area that had never been for Campbell yeah. football. Yep, no doubt. And and it was, again, you know, getting to the CAA. Look, f- football's a big part of it. When you, when you move up conference Absolutely. these days, you have to have a football team. But, look, you, you have to have a football team th- that's competitive. And, and they had seen not only – the CAA had seen that this team was not only scholarship, but they were winning enough and they were recruiting. And let's be honest as well, the athletic department as a whole in a great spot. That was coming off the 13 conference championship. So it, it was a little bit of everything. But it, but if football would have been 2-8, two, 2-9, two and eight, two and nine, it, it, would have been a, it would have been a big reach for them to bring them in. And then to bring in um, this football team into the CAA conference and to do 4-4, four and four, that really settled everybody down around the athletic department. I think a lot of people thought that in some sports it would take a it would take a much longer time to be competitive. And uh, as we saw this fall, everybody come in and being competitive, including football, 
that was four and four. And to Mike's credit, and there's a lot of names throughout the years, Mike would transform the student. And I think of Yugana Arirunye, I think of Carlos Mobley, I think of Ahaj Malik Williams, guys who came in with some academic or just other things off the field. And Mike's ability to transform and invest into those players, that may never be in the record, right? But what he could do to build a culture, to build up these kids and to make them feel they could graduate and move on. Like Mike took a lot of kids that we all looked around and said, are we sure they're going to make it? And found a way to invest in them and get the best out of them, both as people and as players. We talk about Mike being gracious with his time with the media. He was also gracious uh, with his time with his players. Yeah. Um, Some of those that you mentioned, I think you combined a couple of DBs there. It was uh, Brandon Mobley. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think you were thinking of Carlos Merritt. Uh, who came in uh, great safety uh, played uh, played uh, in the what was it the was it the United Football League or which whichever one before that they've was. combined now to yeah the- I forget which one it was he played for a couple of different ones of those so uh, another another one of our pro humps if you will Darian Slade he was really big yeah, in his career yeah. too Darian Slade spent hours in Mike's office and they built just such a great relationship uh, Darian Slade came in as a PFL uh, corner. And and turns into a, uh, an all Big South safety, and uh, just a just a great career for him uh, in Bowie's Creek, and uh, also a pro hump, I guess he's a he was a slam baller, ESPN uh, this, slam ball this guys. past Let's year. Not so uh, so Mike was so good at at being a mentor for for a lot of his players. Yeah, definitely. And I will really say what I said back then, and all through mentors. Um, tenure here, you know, Dale Steele, again, the perfect person to set the foundation and get this thing off. Mike Minner, the perfect person to put us on the map and get us uh, to the next level. And Braxton Harris, the person to bring it on to the next level, both on and and off the field. Um, it was a perfect hire. And, and Campbell football, in just over a decade and a half, going from absolutely nothing, no, no stadium, no practice facility, no practice fields to go from, from where they are to now, this is, a, this is a healthy program. And, boy, you really get a positive feeling uh, about the future, don't you? And the fact we opened the season with a New Year's Six Bowl game yeah. participant, Liberty, yep. who was in the Big South not too long ago as we were entering, they were leaving to go uh, independent. But – it's really neat now. This Liberty home and home, or sorry, the Liberty matchup there twice has been great for our exposure. Even playing up there two years ago, just the spotlight and playing a great quarterback at the time, Malik Willis, and Hodge was dueling with him back and forth. Liberty now is a big-time program, and yep. that is a great chance for Braxton to show how he recruits, how he develops. You know, now the chance for a Chad Masco and some others to grow at the quarterback position. This is a big summer and a big spring for Campbell football. And you mentioned opening up next year at Liberty. A little teaser for you. Uh, the the CAA schedule will come out next Wednesday. Okay. Inside information. We're always dropping that here. Thank you. Embargoed emails. Those are my favorite. <laughs> it's certainly an embargoed email. I won't tell you. Uh, I won't give any details of, of the eight-game schedule. Uh, of course, it's four home, four away uh, for the CAA. You already know our non-conference schedule uh, week one at Liberty, then we'll head head west, head to the mountains, and and play Western Carolina for the first time. Um, our uh, our couple of non conference home games, Delaware State on September twenty eighth, 
and uh, another game with NC Central. Uh, looking forward to that one. Uh, that's been a fun series so far, uh, October 5th. Yeah, and uh, four home games, as you said, for the CAA. We're back to a six-game home schedule, which should be a lot of fun. Season ticket interest form, you can get it through the ticket link and on our schedule page where you can see it. And as Jason teased, by next week at this time, we'll be talking about the full CAA schedule. Jason, thank you so much for stopping by, man. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. He's Jason Williams. We'll take a break. Evan and I will be back to get you set up for a big first weekend of basketball for the men and women in this new conference, the CAA. We'll be back with Camel Call Friday after these messages. The Fighting Camel Club empowers student-athletes to lead with purpose on and off the field. Over the past three years, donations to the FCC have helped fund scholarships, facility enhancements, health and wellness improvements, and the greatest needs of the athletics department. With our move to the CAA, the need for your support has never been greater. Memberships begin at just $100 and can get you access to exclusive merchandise and seating. Head to GoCamels.com and hit the Give button. Camel Call Friday. Uh, we are going to talk some basketball and wrestling now. But first, uh, coming out this next week, a lot of stuff going on in Gore Arena. Covers both football and basketball. Okay, we've been singing the praises of Braxton Harris. If you know him, if you don't, you'll get a lot of chances to see him, to meet him this next week. Thursday the 11th, coming up this Thursday, 3 o'clock, in the lobby of Gore Arena, are all are welcome as we will have the introductory press conference for uh, Braxton Harris. Then later that night, men's basketball, their first ever home game in the CAA. It'll be the men versus Delaware at 7 o'clock at halftime. Braxton Harris will be uh, there with his family. He will address the crowd for uh, gold level or above. Fighting Camel Club members, you can meet with him in the president's box. Anyone can meet with him on Saturday. Another home men's basketball game as Campbell will take on Hofstra at 2 o'clock at noon, from noon to 2. One of the special new things we're doing this year is called the Hoop Room. It's a preseason, all-you-can-eat. It's a pregame, all-you-can-eat lunch uh, buffet. You will be able to uh, meet and talk with uh, Campbell head coach Braxton Harris. And then, of course, um, with all the hoop rooms, you get a pregame visit with the head coach. So Kevin McGeehan will come in, give a little bit of a chalk talk as the men play on Thursday and Saturday. The women play their first CAA home games next week on Friday at 7 against Elon and then Sunday at 2. They'll have a hoop room opportunity as well as they will play against Towson. You can get tickets for the hoop room, all those things, all the information on GoCamels.com. This weekend is the first weekend of CAA basketball play. Campbell dropping a game at NC A&T last night. The men will try to rebound as they take on Hampton at 2 o'clock on Saturday. Um, all the conference games, except our nationally televised games for the men, are on flow. Same with the women. The women an unbelievable challenge, Evan, and it starts tonight, Friday night. They go at to Stony Brook in Long Island, Stony Brook, New York. You might not have heard of Stony Brook. 
but they are a really, really good women's basketball team. I believe 10-1 and one going into this game. Picked second behind Towson in the CA. And what's impressive, so they played Longwood, similar Big South foe, beat them by 35. To give you a sense, Campbell was picked in the bottom half of the CA and the women. It's a tough challenge. Now what the Camels have is an elite post player in Christabel Azuma, a great head coach in Ronnie Fisher, and a disciplined team. We had talked with both basketball programs. This is a step up in competition. Stony Brook's really good. Their travel partner is Monmouth, who's also talented. They're not as good as Stony Brook. A chance to get their first CAA win. You go one and one on this trip. It's a great weekend up north. And then two, we wanted to see all year, how does Campbell compete in a higher competition? We saw it against UCF. Battle to the last second. That's a 9-2 and UCF team. Almost beat them, if not for a late free throw from Central Florida. So, they can compete, but Stony Brook's really tough. That's tonight at 6.30, a hard game. They're physical. They're a preseason favorite in the league. But I like how Ronnie Fisher's team's played in the non-con. They've been up to the challenge, and they're ready for this test. Well, and, and he put them through the gauntlet. Women's basketball is 7-4 and four with a really, really tough non-conference slate. Those four losses at Virginia, at UCF, a game that they lost by one on the last possession, by the way. The last two losses before Christmas at ETSU, a team that's going to compete for a SOCON title. At High Point, one-point loss there, again, on the last play, a team that, of course, Campbell battles year in and year out in the Big South for a conference title. So the games that they have lost, three of them were really close, including one to a Power Five and against teams that are going to compete for a title. So, again, as you laid out, on the road playing two very good teams. If Campbell goes up there, they can play well and go 0-2, but they're definitely going to be ready for the challenge, and I'm really, really excited to see what this team does in a quote-unquote better conference. And then they host Elon, part of that big four-game bonanza next week. That's a beatable Elon team. So you split there, you're probably 2-1, and you face the preseason favorites in Towson. This league doesn't have cupcakes like the Big South had a few. Now, I will say as a quick sidebar, the Big South men's basketball this year has been really good. The top of the CA men is also really good, led by Drexel. We'll see Delaware, who comes in next week. They're a really good men's team. The the top of the league is fascinating in the CAA. And even on the women's side, the the parity of the league, where last year a double-digit seed made the final in the women's bracket. So that league, anybody can beat anybody. And on the men's side, the top six or seven are legit at-large caliber teams that led by College of Charleston and Drexel and Wilmington that can be really competitive as well. Yeah, and we will remind you what what makes this league really fun for fans. Don't ask the the coaches and the players that that have to do it, but and both your your average week in the CAA, you're playing on the men's or the women's side, you're playing two games in less than 48 hours. Campbell played last night the men at NCANT 7 o'clock on Thursday. They will play Hampton 2 o'clock on Saturday. It's always Thursday and Saturday. You have a few nationally televised Mondays thrown in there, but you play Thursday and Saturday. Usually, you're on the road for Thursday, Saturday. You come back home for Thursday, Saturday. The women, they will play Friday against Stony Brook at 6.30, then Sunday at 2. I think the scheduling in the CAA will benefit both these teams, and here's the reason why. Number one, over on the men's side, with the – um, deliberate, don't call it the Princeton, Princeton offense. The smart motion action attack. You don't say it, you don't see it a lot. That's right, the smack, I forgot about that. You don't see it a lot. 
and it is very tough to prepare for. That's why Campbell's had so much um, luck in the MTEs, which are those three-game and three-day tournaments in November They're that they play every year. No doubt, and and, and, and the in the conference tournaments offensively, too. Yeah, if you don't understand that system, now A&T had some familiarity with it. Campbell struggled to shoot yeah. against A&T. That can happen, but traditionally, it's been a slower tempo game. You're in every game because of the style of play. And Delhi had the double double last yep. night, right? And that's important. You need a star to shine. Now the complimentary piece has got to make shots and you have to be able to yeah. overcome scoring droughts. That's been a little bit of a woe for Campbell this year. However, with the tough scout, with how well they play at home traditionally in conference, it's not going to be a one of those seasons where you're like, oh man, we're a double digit dog in every game. Not the way we play, not the way we're stylistically built. The challenge yep. is you got to find ways to win on the road. This is a much tougher league to win on the road than the Big South was. Yeah, Campbell uh, has not won a game. The men are on the road yet, losing last night at at NCA and T. And and you bring up a couple good points. Campbell is shooting pretty well at at home, over fifty percent from the floor, over thirty five percent from three. On the road, they're just not hitting any shots. Uh, they're they're not able to shoot. Uh, on the road and and you got to fix that but but I do like the fact whether on the road or at home another team particularly one majority of teams in this conference that has not seen uh, your offense has about a day to prepare and also too mentally and physically it's tough to play two games in 48 days so I think Campbell's going to catch some teams on Saturday as well because in these games remember Evan part of it is knowing where everybody's going to be but on defense to play defense against Coach Kevin McGeehan's offense, you have to be locked in for the entire breath of the shot clock or you're going to get, boom, a bounce pass and a backdoor layup or an open three from the wing. It is as mind-stakingly painful as trying to grab a heart in operation. You have to be so precise. There you go. Detail-oriented. Why didn't you, why didn't you do that out-of-left-field uh, out reference when Jason was here? He always appreciates a good <laughs> laugh with the three of us. But I will say, you're thinking about the home games next week. Two of the favorites in the league come to town. Yep. Hofstra, who was in a final or semifinal, could easily make a final this year. And Delaware's off to like a nine-win start. Yeah. They're really good. Mm-hmm. So if you want to see some great basketball the next four days, yeah. come out next Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. <laughs> it, is, it is a stretch. But it's actually some of the best basketball you'll see at home this year. Really good teams, really good teams. On the women's side, the Friday, Saturday, I think is going to really benefit Ronnie Fisher, not only are they one of the best conditioned teams in the entire conference, they are also one of the most prepared teams in the conference. That team, that coaching staff, it's film, 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 and it's about preparation and a plan. Ronnie Fisher always has a really good preparation and a really good plan for you. And they have an identity. So think about this. Only team in the country that's been top 25 in scoring defense the last seven years. Every single season – whether they've won 20 games or they've won 14. It's Campbell's Ronnie Fisher defense. That can translate to any conference, any level. Shoot, they held UCF to 42 points. That doesn't happen in college basketball. No. Which shows you, yes, it may be a little harder in the CA, but their defensive identity will will translate anywhere, anytime. Yeah, and going back to the men's side and Kevin McGeehan, this is a deeper team than he has ever had. He he plays – 10 players uh, in the first half, something he's never done. I think that's going to benefit 
They need to find a consistent score or two. Right now, they're putting the best defender and then another guy on Del Orso, daring Campbell to shoot from the from the outside. But if Campbell can, and they've got the pieces for it, um, like I said, they're going to they're going to be a team much like last year that is going to have to improve through these first two months of the conference. Again, building towards what matters: the CAA this year, probably a one bid league once again on the men's side, and it all matters of what happens in March. Our wrestlers, they uh, look forward to March as well. Before uh, they get into conference, they'll be at the Franklin and Marshall Open. That's up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So many ranked wrestlers on that side. They've played such a tough schedule as well. I think they well. call it Lancaster up there. It's like Lancaster. a sharp Pennsylvania. Lancaster. I learned about okay. that with Lancaster Bible College. Okay, it was it's Lancaster. Like, yeah, it's, you, you, I said Lancaster, yeah. and then I had some friends reach out. Well, actually, in the north, they call it <laughs> Lancaster. Lancaster. All right. They're going to be in Pennsylvania at, <laughs> Frank, at with the Franklin and Marshall University uh, for that. Uh, you can watch video of that. And, and all of these uh, basketball games will be on Flow Sports. Of course, anytime the men are on the road, uh, you'll be able to uh, tune in. Audio coverage coming to you, 145 before the 2 o'clock start at Hampton. What a great show. Thank you for hanging on. Thank you for listening. Uh, Please subscribe. Please like. We appreciate everything. We're going to have a little bit of a mix-up about how we do things and when the podcasts are going to come to you, and we will explain more of that next week. Our first Camel Call Live with Braxton Harris will be at the county seat on the 15th. So make plans for that from 6 to 8. He will be at the county seat, and he will be on the live podcast at 6.30 to 7.30. Next week, Evan and I will come to you from the same podcast room. So be on the there on the 11th for his Campbell press University. conference at 3 o'clock. Stay for the basketball game yeah. that night, and then we'll see you Monday, the following Monday, for his 6.30 camel call and or, get this thing rolling. Or if you want to move a little, uh, if you want to use a little a little food and a, and a little fellowship, come to the Hoop Room on Saturday the 13th before the game. Lots of chances to meet head coach Braxton Harris, a new head football coach. For Evan, I'm Chris saying so long. We'll talk to you next week here on Camel Call Friday.